From Vermont Digger, I'm Mike Dougherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, a state Supreme Court decision about dam relicensing is being hailed by water quality advocates as a new standard for upholding environmental rules. But it also reveals the tensions behind the state's ongoing push to get more energy from local renewable resources. Morning, everybody. Thank you very much. Please be seated. Back in March, the Vermont Supreme Court heard arguments about the water quality permits for three hydroelectric dams that generate power for Morrisville Water and Light, including the dam at the Green River Reservoir, a well-known state park. The Green River Reservoir is, I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. It's this, it almost has this otherworldly, you know, really quiet feel. There's loons that nest there. Elizabeth Gribkoff is VT Digger's energy and environment reporter. Part of it's a state park, so you can paddle around and then camp at these different sites. You know, it's it's really a it's a, a gem. Have you have you been on the water? You've gone out and boated yeah. there. Yeah, I went out on a, a couple years ago on a canoe, and I remember it being very cold. <laughs> but it was still, you know, there's something about the cold. And I remember there being like mist rising from the water and hearing kind of that eerie, you know, loon call at night. And it was, yeah, it was pretty magical. Wow. And that whole body of water exists because of that dam. Yes. I mean, it's damming part of the Green River. So obviously there was water there originally. But sure, yeah, sure. the way the, you know, the size of it and it's kind of unique. It has this like multi-pronged shape. And yeah, that's all there because of, because there's a dam there. Got it. Morning, your honors. The matter before the court this morning is the case entitled... In Ray Morrisville Hydroelectric Project Water Quality Certificate, docket number 2018-339. What broadly were the two sides in this Supreme Court hearing? What what cases were they trying to make? Yeah, Morrisville Water and Power, which is a utility that serves around 4,000 customers in Lamoille County. And they'd applied in 2010 for federal relicensing of three of their hydro dams on the Lamoille and Green Rivers. Um, And part of that process is that they had to obtain a water quality certification from the state of Vermont. And so in 2016, the state agency of natural resources issued them this water quality certification. And so they, part of it's that they set flow rates at levels that they deemed, um, you know, kind of high enough to protect trout habitat. And then it also for the dam that's at the green river reservoir, they set seasonal flow rates and also reservoir elevation requirements. The agency of natural resources is generally saying, here's how much water you can push through this dam to make power, basically. And then, so that Agency of Natural Resources permit got pushed back on kind of two different fronts. Um, And so Morrisville Water and Light appealed it saying, basically, you know, we need lower flow rates to make operating these dams, um, you know, sort of financially possible. And then on the other side of the spectrum, Vermont Natural Resources Council and Vermont Trout Unlimited wanted higher flow rates um, because they said that, you know, that's what they felt was needed to, to protect aquatic habitat for these fish. So both, so both of those groups appealed this to the environmental court. In order to protect things like fish habitats, the dam can't generate as much power, so they're not going to make as much money. Yeah. That's, and that's an issue for them. Yes. Got it. Okay, so last year, um, the environmental court judge, Tom Walsh, 
in some ways sided with the utility um, in rejecting the state's flow rates for dams in the Lamoille River. Um, but then he also upheld some of the state's kind of requirements for the Green River Dam. And the utility claimed that these state agency of natural resources requirements would basically make operating that dam uneconomical and possibly even unsafe. So both the State Agency of Natural Resources and Morrisville Water and Light appealed the environmental court's decision, obviously for different reasons. Um, ANR argued that the court didn't adequately take into account some of the sort of water quality standards that they, you know, were using. There are two questions court needs to decide in this case, and they are centered on the important obligation this 401 certification presents to restore the waters at issue. Meanwhile, the utility argued that the court had erred by not taking into account social and economic issues enough when the water quality certificate was issued. ANR, um, in the way they've approached this case and the way they've interpreted um, their own regulations and application um, of the water quality standards, um, is to almost ignore the fact that uh, this is a dam that this is a hydroelectric facility that creates renewable energy that under ANR procedures, um, which is I'm referring to the stream flow procedure, um, is uh, beneficial for the state of Vermont, that it's actually one of the, the policy goals of the state of Vermont to um, encourage and to increase the use of renewable energy. So in the decision which came out last month, the Supreme Court basically sided with the State Agency of Natural Resources and said, you know what, economic and social factors should not be a part of a water quality permit. That permit's about, you know, water quality. And so that needs to be kind of the what we're looking at here. They basically said when you're relicensing a dam, the operator of that dam has to meet whatever regulations the state says they have to meet. Right. And especially for this, you know, the water quality certification is just, you know, one part of this kind of bigger relicensing process. And the Supreme Court basically agreed with ANR that to obtain a water quality certificate, you know, that's really focused on will the flow rates, will our operations allow water quality standards to be met? And that needs to be the main thing that is looked at. You know, and economic and social concerns aren't aren't really a part of, of that process. Got it. So for Morrisville Water and Light to say, this is going to make it really hard for us to make money and maybe even keep operating, they're basically saying, that's not our problem. Yeah, exactly. Got it. So you've talked to some folks about what kind of the broader repercussions of this Supreme Court decision might be. Can you tell me what they said about how this might affect water quality and utility issues in Vermont in general? Yeah, so one of the people we talked to is John Groveman, and he's the policy and water director for the Vermont Natural Resources Council. And we're an environmental group based in Vermont, it's been here for 50 years, and we work on a range of environmental issues, water and forests and climate and energy and sustainable communities. And they became involved in this case because they were one of the groups that had appealed the State Agency of Natural Resources Water Quality Certificate for this dam. And they were arguing that the flow rates set by that certificate were too low to um, basically protect trout habitat. Obviously, the dams are never natural, right? So the dam is not a natural condition. And they're created these impoundments and these reservoirs. So this case law that cuts both ways on this, on the one hand, this case law that says that when you come up for relicensing, we're not going to say you can't have your impoundment because you have to go back to a river system because that's natural. We'll allow you to have the impoundment, but we're going to say that you need to, in operating the dam for the river part of the system, you need to basically 
come as close as possible to mimicking sort of natural conditions in, in taking out water to make power, but not in a way that's going to not provide water for those basic functions, fishing, swimming, and, and boating, you know, and healthy uh, aquatic ecosystem. So they see these water quality issues as potentially having a huge impact, like that if these requirements don't get tightened a little bit, and if this utility isn't forced to meet them, that could be really damaging to the kind of environment and habitat up there. Yeah, I mean, I think I think John made kind of an interesting point when we were talking with him, which is that a lot of people, I think when you think about water quality issues, we think about pollution and things, you know, bad things running off into the water. But <laughs> he was saying, you know, flow of a stream and there being enough water there is obviously fundamental to water quality and to habitat protection as well, because <laughs> that that's kind of like the, you know, very, I don't know, that's like the basis of, you know, how rivers work and how streams work is you need to have enough water there to <laughs> even have a stream or a river. So it's kind of a funny, I was talking to someone about that and they're like, well, I understand pollution, like when you're adding pollution to the water, but why is the water itself important and it was kind of funny like i've been doing this maybe for too long i'm like it's all about the water like you need number one is you need the water like there's a natural system that has water in it and you know the clean water act and the vermont water pollution control laws is about the waters of the u.s the waters of vermont it's about those natural water systems and if you take water out of those systems that are um, that is not part of the natural cycle. Yes, we go through droughts. Yes, we have flood events. Those are natural cycles that happen. But if you're just on a regular basis going to be taking water out of these systems, you're just not going to be able to provide uh, the habitat for healthy fisheries, which we care about in Vermont, but also for swimming and boating. You need a certain amount of water at, at different points in time. And those are the natural states of the water. And you've got to have that baseline of water in rivers and streams, you know, in order to basically be able to protect them from then pollution discharges, right? So they're just different sorts of pollution, if you look at it. But I understand that people see it very differently than like a pipe, you know, full of wastewater or stormwater that's coming out. John was saying that, you know, this isn't the first time that in a dam relicensing process, there's been, you know, maybe some tensions around balancing like economics and then water quality standards, but that this had never really been decided by the, the higher court. The Supreme Court had never looked at it before. The issues were still arguable to the point where this applicant, Marisol Water and Light, said, we're going to take this argument. Like, So yeah, there's this Water Resources Board case. Yeah, this is how the agency has articulated policy in this area. But we don't see the law as so buttoned up that we can't challenge this notion that we're going to balance economics and water quality. Now we're pretty locked in. I mean, the Supreme Court decision, one of the reasons it's such an important decision, it's a really clear and strong decision. It's a very clear and strong statement that says, no, you don't consider economics when you're looking at these issues. For this part of the review, it's about water quality. In this case, the court really said, you know, when you're issuing, when the state's issuing a water quality certificate for one of these dams, it really needs to be focused on, you know, not degrading streams and protecting water quality. And it's not really balancing that with economic concerns. So I hope that and I think that this case is going to say to the um, hydroelectric industry that this is, these are the rules. And we don't re- this is not up for debate anymore. We can debate the studies in terms of what's necessary to meet the how much water do we need to leave in the river systems. But we're not going to argue about economics and we're not going to say then you have to protect our facilities, you know, as a, as a use of water and balance that against water needed for fish or swimming or boating. 
So I think it's very important to have that strong articulation. And when researching this case, there wasn't a lot of clear statements around the country. This is going to be one of the clearer, stronger statements on these issues, which are issues everywhere. You know, at this point now, people can cite the Supreme Court case and say, well, no, the court, you know, the court said in issuing a water quality certificate, you have to like really squarely focus on water quality standards and, you know, protecting habitat and and not be balancing that with these other concerns that the utilities might have. On the other side, you've got Morrisville Water and Light is one of these municipal utilities. Mm -hmm. Can you explain a little bit about just like, what is a company like Morrisville Water and Light? Like what kind of position are they in here? Yeah, so Vermont has, I think it's 12 or 13 of these municipal utilities. And it's interesting if you look at a map, which I certainly have done of, say, like Green Mountain Power's member territory, you'll see these little pockets where these municipal utilities are still operating. And in some ways, they're almost like a holdover from days past. And for some of these utilities, hydro is a really important part of their power supply. Like I think Swanton Electric, which is up in you know northern Franklin County, gets almost all of their electricity from up more you know, one large hydro dam. Hmm. Um, And they're obviously, these municipal utilities obviously are operating on pretty thin margins. Why is that? Is that just because they're on a smaller scale? Yeah. And, and, you know, you think about they don't necessarily have like tons of -of out-of-state investors or, you know, yeah, they're just, they're like a department of the town kind of. Yeah. (laughs) So another person we talked to was Ken Nolan, and he's the general manager of VEPSA, which stands for Vermont Public Power Supply Authority. VEPSA is an organization that was created in 1979 by the legislature uh, to help small municipal utilities in the state. We have 11 members right now, but to help them really uh, get economy to scale and be, be able to operate much like a larger utility. They kind of help these smaller utilities plan, help them, you know, with power supply contracts, just kind of all these complex things that would be really hard for these small utilities to go out and do on their own. So half of the members, so six of our members, have hydroelectric facilities that they've owned and operated, most of them for over 100 years. These are just dams in their towns? Small dams in their communities. That the, in, in many cases, that is what the, the catalyst was to create the municipal utility in the first place. They hmm. had maybe a grist mill or something in the town that was using the, the river to produce power. Um, when electricity became available, that was a natural place to build an electric plant. Um, and then the towns would use that for street lighting and so on, and it just naturally grew into municipal utility over time. So under federal law, those uh, generators, because they're on waterways that are owned by the state and the federal government, they're uh, community resources, um, those plants have to go through a relicensing process Anywhere from every 30 to 50 years. It depends on the the plant and when it was last permitted and what the conditions were. But most of uh, the members that have hydroelectric plants are finding themselves starting that process now. Hmm. Uh, Morrisville was the first of the members to have to go through that. But we've got four others now that are in the process in some form or other. Vepsa, there's definitely some other members that also have hydro dams. So I think they're a bit concerned about what this case means for these other dams when they go up for relicensing. When Morrisville started to realize what the Agency of Natural Resources was going to propose, they reached out to us more from the aspect of, well, what's the financial impact if we have to change operation of this hydro plant? If we have to reduce the amount of electricity that it's producing, 
that has an impact on how much power we need to buy from elsewhere. Um, it has an impact on the economics of running the generating plant. Can we get enough money to afford to keep operating and do the maintenance that's required? Um, and so, so we started looking at it from that aspect for them and then applying that to other members, saying, well, if Agency of Natural Resources is going to require these changes in Morrisville, it's likely that similar changes are going to have to be applied to the other members. Mm. Um, and when we started looking at the impacts across all six, um, we saw some pretty significant dollar impacts involved. They're coming at this with a total focus on the financial bottom line for these utilities. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of their main areas of of focus. I think there's also a broader concern with the state's renewable energy standard. Utilities now have to get, it's by 2032, 75% of their power has to be renewable. You know, they're looking at, and VEPS is very aware of this, and they're trying to help their members kind of, you know, plan for all of this and, you know, comply with state statute. Um, And so I think that there is a concern that if operating these hydro facilities becomes uneconomical, you know, I imagine they're counting obviously some of that toward their state requirements. So, okay, so what do we do now? We have to figure out another way to get, you know, renewable energy. To me, it's it's almost like peeling an onion. So I think Vermonters in general, the vast majority of Vermonters are in agreement that we're in a climate crisis now. And the, the state is putting policies in place really to electrify our economy, uh, reduce the carbon emissions. So, Across the utility sector, they're suggesting that utilities now should be buying more renewable power um, and really focusing on installing solar and wind, uh, biomass to some degree, but non-carbon emitting resources. The hydro plants that we're talking about have their non-carbon emitting, their existing resources, and they've been in existence for, as I said, 100 years, some of them. So we're really talking about, well, if you reduce the output, reduce the amount of energy that those plants can produce, that needs to be made up from somewhere else. Um, And under Vermont policy, that somewhere else is likely to be a new solar project or a small-scale energy resource that's renewable. Well, that means we're actually developing on new property. We're having to build a solar project on a farm field somewhere, or we're having to build a wind project on a ridgeline somewhere. Back in February, Ken wrote a commentary for VT Digger about this case. He said this pressure from the state created a Sophie's choice for the utility. We asked him what he meant by that. All of the VEFSA members really are Vermont villages. Um, and the, the managers of the electric department are typically the village manager. So they're in a position where they're, they're already trying to weigh all of the various impacts on a community and try to make it as vibrant as possible. And when I say it's a Sophie's choice, I mean, you're, you're saying, well, we're going to remove the viability of an existing resource that you've had in place for decades. And in order to replace that, you've now got to find some other location in your community that you're willing to destroy in some ways um, in order to produce the same renewable energy that you would have gotten from the hydro plant. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me um, as a lifelong Vermonter to say we're, we're basically going to remove one resource in order to put in another one. One thing about this that I find really interesting is that this idea that, you know, protecting 
a natural area and a habitat and the environment there would be in conflict with something like pushing for more renewable energy and making it easier to develop new uh, renewable energy sources or to revamp and relicense an existing one, like a, a hydro mm-hmm. dam. The idea that those two things would be in conflict, I just find really interesting because they seem like they're both related to environmental goals and everybody's kind of on the same page that we need to do certain things, take certain actions to protect the environment. But then you run into a situation like this where it's not quite clear which course of action is best going to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think with energy in general, <laughs> obviously there's some sources of energy that have really clear, terrible environmental impacts. Sure. But I think any you know, if you're citing a large solar field or if you're putting a, a dam on a river, that you know, that's going to have an impact too, even if, you know, maybe it seems better than, I don't know, like drilling for <laughs> natural gas or something. I think we're seeing a real disconnect in state policy. And I think the Supreme Court ruling reinforces that disconnect. One of the concerning things as a utility person is we have a, a, a really strong aggressive policy for dealing with greenhouse gas reductions. And that is pushing the utilities more and more towards these renewable generators. But we're also seeing at the same time the focus in Vermont on preserving the natural landscape, really locking down where development can occur. And I think we're we're on a collision course where those two policies are going to start to really create large-scale tensions with each other. So we're finding it more and more difficult to find locations for generation at the same time that the requirements to have in-state is is really ramping up significantly. And at some point, you know, the state's going to have to start getting together and deciding, well, what's more important here? We're going to have to give on one or two of our criteria for the greater goal that we have. And I don't think they've really been forced to have that conversation yet. Elizabeth, what do you expect this coming session in terms of this conversation about renewables and how does something like this case fit into it? Well, I know that there's going to be this push to kind of bump up the renewable requirements under state statute so that utilities would ultimately have to get 100% of their power from renewable sources and to actually have 20% of that come from newer in-state renewables. And yeah, so how this case fits into that, I think the main way it fits into it is that because some of these utilities would be counting, you know, like Swanton Electric, for instance, which is right now one of the few utilities in the state that's 100% renewable. And that's pretty much exclusively because of this large dam that they operate. A lot of these utilities, hydro, you know, is an important part of their power supply. It's an important part of, you know, what they count as renewable. So if it's harder for them to operate these dams, they're they're going to have to figure out another way to get renewable power. And that might look like, it could look like, you know, building more solar fields in state, uh, but that's, that can be pretty expensive. And it also could look like them buying more of these renewable energy credits, which can be somewhat controversial. I guess it just puts decision makers in kind of a unique position to try and figure out like, to what degree do you impose requirements one way or another? I think that, yeah. And I I think with any kind of energy source, there's going to be some tension with other environmental values. I mean, we saw in Vermont a few years ago, the pretty intense conflict between people who wanted to develop wind energy on ridgelines and people who, you know, wanted to 
protect those habitats and argued that we shouldn't have wind turbines up there. I think that that really highlighted that kind of, I think, tension. It's always like in the details of how these things get worked out that they have to kind of strike that balance. Yeah, definitely. And then it's challenging to do it in a way, okay, how do you, you know, make sure you're protecting natural resources, but also not imposing so many requirements that would be like, you know, impossible for someone to put up a solar array or to operate one of these dams. But I think I think that this case really argued that if you're looking at what you have to do to protect water quality standards in a river, you know, you need to look at the science and sort of riparian ecology and you can't be looking at these economic interests. Got it. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thanks, Mike. You can find all of Elizabeth's coverage about Vermont's renewable energy industry at vtdigger.org. We'll be following these conversations in the legislature starting in January, so it's a great time to make sure you're signed up for our email newsletters, especially Final Reading. That's our daily digest from the State House, where we share updates on all the bills you care about. You can also subscribe to this podcast. Just search for The Deeper Dig on your phone's podcast app, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We use music this week by Blue Dot Sessions and Lee Rosevere. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. Have a nice weekend.